Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Open up to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, and God spoke to Abraham. Abram, and he said this. Now the Lord, read with me. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And he said, and this is what I'm going to do. Listen. And I will make you a great nation. Sing it, say it with me. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I think some people get the blessing messed up because they think the blessing's all about them. The blessing coming to them and they're kind of the end of the river and it all comes to, bless me, it's all about me. Well, the blessing does include you, but it's not all, it doesn't end with you nor did it start with you. But you're on the, you're on the river, right? The blessing comes to you and through you. It goes right back in, right back out. Right? That's where the blessing is. You're, we're part of the blessing, the flow. The blessing's a flow of God. But I want you to notice what he said to Abram here. He said, I will bless you. What is that? It's empowered to prosper. I'm going to speak it over your life, and you're going to be empowered to prosper. But then he said, and you will be a blessing. See, I think sometimes we get the blessing mixed up when it's just about that. I just like the first part, I'll bless you, but to be a blessing. You'll be a blessing. He says, and then others will bless you. And I'll make sure of it, because if they don't, I'll curse them. <laughs> I mean, God thinks, God's pretty straight about that. If someone cursed you, I'm going to curse them. What is he saying? He's saying, you're blessed, everything from you is blessed, and everyone's to, all the blessings to you. There's a whole blessing that's surrounding you. It's the blessing of God. It's the something you walk in or you don't. I've walked in it. We would call it sometimes the grace of God, the grace flow in our life, the blessing flow in our life. It's not an amount of money. It's not something to get money to you. or to, It's not just about that. It's about everything in your life. It's certainly not a, a thing to get money to the church because it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with God on you. It's the blessing. It started with Abraham, and I'll relate this to why it was Abraham. He said, I'll bless you. You'll be a blessing, and others will bless you. He says, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth. That's kind of interesting, in you. Well, in Genesis 22, Genesis 26, and Genesis 28, he says, in your seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed. If we look over at Matthew chapter 1, we can see the genealogy that from Abram went down to David, went down to Jesus. That eventually Jesus had to do the, be here all the way from this genealogy, all the way to here, you know, maybe they did Ancestry.com, I'm kidding, but the genealogy from here to here, all these thing, people were blessed and eventually the seed came down to Jesus. Well, how does Jesus in our lives relate to Abraham or Abram? Why are we talking about Abram? Because it says in Galatians chapter 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles who believe. See, the original, that the blessing. So the blessing wasn't just Old Testament. He was saying, if you're in Christ Jesus, and if you'll believe it and receive it, you'll receive that same blessing upon your life. So the Bible relates this to our own life. Let me pray today. Lord, I pray that we would receive today what you're saying in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thank you, Kevin. So the greatest joy of the blessing is passing it on to others. I said the greatest joy of the blessing is not just being blessed. It's passing on the blessing to others, to be a blessing. The river, again, doesn't start or stop with you. The blessing does not stop with you. The blessing, this blessing is not a series, again, to get you blessed or to get the church blessed. It's a series to get the blessing flowing in your and my life. It's called a channel of blessing. Now, I ask you also to turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It says this, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. Can you say support the weak? He says, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed, say it with me, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Say it one more time. It is more blessed to give 
than to receive. I remember I used to sit at Christmas time when I didn't get, you know, the older you get, the less presents you get. Have you ever noticed that, right? And then eventually, like, you get no presents because you're like, who's giving me presents, you know? Where's my presents? And I remember sitting and, and my parents didn't get presents and thinking, Aren't, how are you still happy? And you didn't get presents. I'll tell you, my joy is even bigger because I get to watch them open their presents. And I'm like, watch this, watch this. And they're opening their presents and they're like, whoa, that's what I wanted, right? But it's not just the presence. It's like, that's what happens in joy. When you see fulfillment happen in other people's lives, when you're able to see someone else in need and you reach out to them and bless them and you see a tear come down their eye or you see a joy come into their heart and they say, oh, it's just praying for that. It met my need. It's the biggest blessing you could ever have. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. But listen, if we live our lives to get blessed... We'll never know what it's like to be a blessing. In other words, if, if our whole pursuit in life is that we're the end of the blessing, I just want to serve God and I just want him to bless me. That's a limited life. It's a life that we'll never be able to know what it's like to be a blessing. But I want to remind you, when he told Abram, I'm going to bless you, he told him in the same sentence, and you're going to be a blessing. Amen. I'm going to bless you, you're going to be a blessing, blessing's going to come to you, and blessing's going to come through you. That's what's going to happen, the blessing around you. So never uh, know that the source of our blessing comes from, and I'm going to give you three points. Number one is this, a little bit longer point, but number one is this. The blessing comes from God. Number two, the blessing comes through you. And number three, the blessing comes to others. From God, through you, to others. Say it one more time, or, or, or say it with me. From God... Through you to others. Number one is from God. We see in Genesis 12 that he said, I'm going to bless you. It was a promise that came upon him. Genesis 12, God spoke blessing. He declared, he didn't start him out with a bank account. He didn't hand him a, a sum of funds. He said, I'm going to declare blessing on your life. In Genesis 13, that was in Genesis 12. Genesis 13, Abraham inhabits the, the, the city of Canaan. So what did he give you? Did he give you a car? No. Give you a house? No. Give you a neighborhood? Give me the whole city. Can you imagine if God came and said, hey, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you Memphis tomorrow. It's your city. What, what part of it? All of it. All of it. Spoils, everything in it, everything. I'm going to give you the city. He inherited the, he, he had the blessing on him in, Ge in Genesis 12. And in Genesis 13, Abraham inherits the city. Then he got so blessed that his brother's son, Lot, who came with him, uh, he said, ah, we have so many sheep and so much goat, you know, goats. And you have so much that there's starting to be conflict. How many of you know that sometimes you see people that, that have so much wealth and they start to get fighting one another in conflict. And you think, how could they have conflict? They have so much. No, listen, wealth doesn't not bring conflict. Sometimes it brings more conflict. Now you have to, you have more to have to do something with, right? In fact, it says in the book of Proverbs, the blessing of the Lord, I think it's 1022, it says, makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. In other words, you can have money and have things and have possessions and have a lot of sorrow that come with it. There are some people who win the lottery and commit suicide. Sorry to bring that up, but, but that's true. Their, their whole life was better before they got something because they didn't know what to do with it. It's not about an am amount. And so what happened was uh, we, we see uh, Abram, he became so wealthy. Lot had so much blessing that he had to talk to him and say, hey, look, Lot, there's conflict between our people here. So why don't you go one direction? I'm going to go another direction. And he said, and you just go ahead and pick the direction, he must not have read the art of the deal or anything. And so he just said, I'm not going to deal with you, which, which is the best. So you just whatever you want to do, right? So he let him pick whatever side he wanted and that he picked the, the best land. And the Bible says that after Lot walked away, then God came to Abram. And you know what God told Abram? I'm going to bless you more. <laughs> I mean, don't you get tired of those people who are already blessed? And you're like, why is he going to bless them more? They don't need more. Well, I think one of the things had to do was he just told Lot, you can have the best, whatever you want, go ahead, take it. And then God said, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look, look to the west. And everything that you see, every place that your feet can walk upon, I've given you and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your generations to come. Can I tell you, when God wants to bless you, it's not just about you. It's about your kids. It's about your grandkids. It's about your spiritual kids. It's about the generations to come. You might think, well, I have enough. Why are we talking about this? It's not about you. 
It's about through you, from you. And if we, all we think about is, I have enough to retire on. I have enough to be taken care of. I'm sufficient. Then we're limiting the blessing and flow of God upon our lives. And again, I'm not just talking materially. I'm talking spiritually, emotionally, uh, relationally. There's so much that, that it affects every area of our life. So Genesis 12, God bless him. Genesis 13, he inhabited Canaan. And then Genesis 14, this guy Melchizedek shows up and Abram tithed to him. Isn't that funny? Melchizedek shows up right after he inherited the city. And the first thing Abram did was say, bless, hey, you're blessed. And he tithed. Well, what tithed? Where did that come from? That wasn't written in the word. Well, this was, uh, this was many, many, many years. In fact, this was 430 years before the law of Moses happened. Some people say, was tithe in the, the Mosaic law? No, tithe shows up right here uh, with Abram right after God blessed him. And he wanted to come back and say, the very first thing I want to do is I want to tithe to Melchizedek. And you may say, well, who in the world is Melchizedek? And why are we talking about him this morning? And I never named my kid that. Okay. Who is Melchizedek and why is he important? Well, in Genesis chapter 14, it says, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was a priest of God. Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Some believe he was Christ, that he was Christ that just pre-incarnate showed up here, but he's definitely a type of Christ. He showed up. He was a king of Salem. He brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God. And Melchizedek did two things. One is he blessed, and another thing is he received tithe. There was really two functions. And then Melchizedek goes away. We don't hear about him ever ever again, except when we get to Hebrews. And then he brings it back up and talks about the tithe and talks about Jesus, who is the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, okay? Brings it back up. So he says, and blessed, he blessed him and blessed Abraham, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. And he said, blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And notice the end of verse 20. He says, and he gave him a tithe of all, of all of what? Of all the city. <laughs> how, do you, how do you calculate that? <laughs> I just received a city. I'm going to give a tenth. <laughs> tenth? You think it's difficult now? A tenth. A tenth of everything you just got. Now, uh, a t- uh, anyway, let me move on. He says, now the king of Sodom said, the king of Sodom came and told Abraham, Abram, give me the persons, take the goods for yourself. But Abram said, I've raised my hand to the Lord to, to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and I will take nothing from a thread to your sandal strap. He says that I will take nothing that's yours lest you should say, lest a man should say that I've made Abram Abram rich. I want you to notice that this king of Sodom, this um, Abram said to the king of Sodom, the king of Sodom came and said, hey, uh, if you'll just give me this, I will bless you. And he said, I don't want you to bless me at all. Why? Because Abram knew where his source was from. My source is from the Lord because if I I say you bless me, then that's immediately I'm limited. Notice, how could you be limited by a king? Because we have someone who's much bigger than a king who has access to much more. And he said, I don't even want you to give me like the thread off your sandal. I don't want you to give me anything so that you don't say that you made me. That's why I can tell you, Memphis Tabernacle, this church, we're a blessed church, but it's not because of any person. I'll never get up here and beg, borrow, or, or ask, or say, hey, we need this, oh, can you, or suck up to anybody. I don't need to do it. Why? Because we have maker of heaven and earth. We have the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not dependent on a person or persons. It's dependent on the Lord. Ministry is dependent on the Lord. Your life is not sustained by people. It's sustained by the Lord. Abraham's life, he said, I don't want anyone. I don't even want to take a thread so that you don't say you made me rich. So who is Melchizedek? Well, it's a type of Christ. First of all, he says he was the king of Salem, which would later be known as Jerusalem. Uh, Notice he says, it actually tells about him in Hebrews chapter 7. He says that he had no genealogy. He was without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither begin, dinning of days, or end of life. I mean, who is that, you know? It says, but he was made like, it says in Hebrews 7, 3, he was made like the son of God and he remains a priest continually. So either that's Jesus or it's a type of Jesus that just showed up to Abraham after he, Abram after he was blessed. I want you to notice also Melchizedek showed up in, uh, in verse 18, but he, he showed up with bread and wine in his hand. You know, if any of you have been to college and you, you have the, 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 that person that always shows up with like a 12 pack in his hand? 
Like every time he comes, you know, he comes to a party, he comes to a, a funeral, he comes to a wedding, he comes to your house, and he's like, hey, what do you got in your hand? Oh, I just got my 12 pack. It's like something he always shows up with. And you're like, Joe, don't bring the 12 pack to the wedding. Well, Jesus showed up with bread and wine. Like wherever he went, he'd show up with bread and wine. Maybe that's a bad analogy. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he had a 12 pack of bread and wine. I don't know. But he showed up with bread and wine. And you see Melchizedek here. He showed up with, with bread and wine. Well, it says in Luke 22, remember at the Lord's Supper that Jesus just pulled out like, hey, how are you guys doing? Yeah, we're having a good night here. Oh, by the way, I got the bread. Oh, by the way, I got the wine. Why? Because it's a type of himself. And he, he said, as, as often as you do it, in other words, this is a practice in the church, have the bread and the wine. Why? Because as often as you do it, you remember me and proclaim the Lord's death till he come. It's a big deal. But notice, Melchizedek showed up with bread and wine, so it's a type of Christ. And then also, uh, again, Melchizedek did, had two functions here. He blessed and he received tithe. Well, you see in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 6, it says, But he whose genealogy is not derived, he received tithes from Abraham and he blessed him. He received tithes and he blessed him. It was kind of two functions that he had. And it says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, uh, two verses later, it says, Here mortal men receive tithe. You may think you're tithing to a church or tithing to people. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them. Notice it didn't say receive them. Jesus still receives tithe. There he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. So what that means is that that's something that in Melchizedek, right after Abram was blessed, that that happened. Okay, why is that important today? Well, because again, it was 430 years prior to the Mosaic law. Uh, we don't bring tithes like we bring. We don't tithe like we tithe in the Old Testament. In other words, you're not going to hear, hear someone's come up and say it's a, it's a law, it's a judgment, you better do it. We don't do it like the Old Testament, but we do it according to Abraham. The reason we tithe is because of Abraham. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, it says, And if ye be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and, and heirs according to the promise of Abraham. We love to talk about the faith of Abraham, but what about the tithe of Abraham? Oh, I don't believe in that part. I, believe in, I just believe in the faith of Abraham. You know? Father Abraham, he tithed. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to sing that song anymore. You know? See, Abraham, where did he learn tithing from? It was just a principle in the Bible. It was something that he brought the very first part. It's like when you catch something and you come back and say, God, it's because of you. And I give something back to you. It's because of you. And eventually, 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 we forget it's because of him. And that's why he had to tell his people, when you have houses and lands and all these beautiful things, remember that it's the Lord, his blessing upon you that allowed you to uh, have these things in your life. Somebody say amen today. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 7 says, here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them. We don't live under the law of Moses, but we live under the blessing of Abraham. I said, we don't live under the law. I'm not going to stand up here and teach the law of Moses. We're not, we're not under the law. But just because we're not under the law doesn't mean that there's not still things that God, you know, like we're not under the law, but I'm not going to go kill somebody. I'm not going to go commit adultery. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to, you know, cheat and do those things. Those things are all under the law, but they're still the heart of God, Right? But we're under the law of love now. So Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the blessed. So ble from, the, uh, from the curse so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us. Blessing flows from God. Can you say that? Blessing flows from God. That's why we bring the tithe to God. It reminds us that everything, it comes from God. And it keeps our heart. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. It keeps our heart aligned to the Lord to always remember that the Lord is first in our lives. We see it in Father Abraham here. And we see it throughout the word. Bringing the first is a principle throughout the word. Where do we first see it? Well, we, I first see it in Cain and Abel. You know, Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, first two kids on the earth. And it says in Genesis, just write this down, right? Cain and Abel, and then Genesis 4.3. It says, and in the process of time, I mean, eventually, he came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. Notice that Cain brought his offering eventually, process of time. Uh, verse 4, Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their offering, and the Lord respected Abel. Why did the Lord respect Abel? Because he brought the very first. It's the example that I gave last week that if you have 10 bucks and you got an increase of 10 bucks, and you say, okay, a tenth is the Lord's. Well, a tenth is the Lord's, but which dollar is the Lord's? It's the first one that leaves your hand. 
That's the Lord's. The very first one that leaves your hand is the Lord's. So the Lord said, I want you to bring the first part to me. And as you bring the first part to me, the rest of it will be blessed. Okay, so we see here that Cain, uh, he didn't bring the first part in the process of time he brought it. And then we have Abel. Um, now, first fruits, write down the word first fruits. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 says this, and all the tithe of the land, whether the seed, uh, the seed of the land or the fruits of the tree is the Lord's. I want you to notice that the way God sees it is that tithe is not something you give to him. You can't give to someone that it's already theirs. God says it is mine, the first of the first fruits. It means things that are grown, okay? Things that are grown. The first part is the Lord's for it's holy to the Lord. It's already God's. Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. It says, the first fruits of your land you shall bring into, notice the house of the Lord, your God. The first of the first fruits, he says. The very first part, the cream of the crop, the pick of the litter. Right? They, would have, they would have animals, they would have uh, things, the very top of it, make sure you give the best to the Lord. Don't look at the leftovers, the parts that has stains on it, the, pers- the part that's left over and you say, well, I can't do anything with that, might as well bring it to church. Some people give their leftovers to the Lord. God says he wants the best, he wants the first. He says it all, all throughout the word. First, the firstborn into the house of the Lord. Notice firstborn, Exodus chapter 13, verse two, firstborn. Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of the man and of the beast. He's saying of your kids, the very first one, make sure to give to me. Someone says, I want to give that one to the Lord anyway. (laughs) They're trouble. (laughs) The firstborn give to the Lord, right? And he says, and also the firstborn of your flock. We, uh, We would look at it like if you had puppies, the very firstborn is the pick of the litter, right? He's saying, bring the best to the Lord the firstborn, and bring it to me. Uh, do you remember when uh, Joshua, uh, Joshua fought the battle of? Oh, let's try it again. Joshua fought the battle of? There we go, okay. So Jericho was the very first city that when they walked in to conquer the city, they conquered the city of Jericho and it had big strong walls. And remember they had to march around the wall and not say anything and then eventually they shouted like we did this morning. Thank you, Tiffany. We shouted and the walls all came tumbling down. Well, God, after he gave them that city, God looked at them and said, do not keep any of the spoils of that city or anything in the city. That first city belongs to me. Why do you think it was the first city? Because it's the first part belongs to the Lord. The rest of the cities, he said, keep. See, God ain't trying to get your stuff. He just wants the first part. He said, the first city belongs to me. It's a principle we see all throughout the word. Um, in uh, Exodus chapter 12, do you remember the 10 plagues that they had? The 10 plagues and uh, Egypt, Pharaoh wouldn't give up the, the uh, you, you know, the, he wouldn't set, let the people go. And so eventually he said, well, if you're not gonna take all this stuff, I'm gonna have to kill your firstborn. So he had them put the blood over the doorposts, you know, his children. And then the angel came over and all of the firstborn, God took the, uh, Egypt's firstborn. Everyone died uh, of firstborn. It says actually, actually in Exodus chapter 12, verse 20, Listen to this. It says, and it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh, came all the way from the top, who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon. He's saying from the prisoner all the way to the top, he's saying all of the firstborn, every every firstborn died and all of the firstborn of livestock and also all of their, uh, their wealth, you know, that they had in cattle and those things, sheep. Goats, he said, all of those firstborns would die. But then what's interesting is right a few verses later in chapter 13, right after there was mourning in the land, it happened, and the children of Israel, none of their firstborn uh, died because they had the blood over the doorpost. But look at in chapter 13, it says that he told Israel, I want you to consecrate all of your firstborn to me. I killed their firstborn. I'm not laughing about it, but... I killed their firstborn, but you all have your firstborn still? I want the firstborn. Why? Because the firstborn belongs to me. It's all throughout the word. The very first part is, it's not just a part. It's just not just 10%. It's the first part belongs to the Lord. I'm just telling you, don't believe me. This is just how it is in the word. There's so, I had to leave out so many scriptures. There's so many scriptures throughout the word on this. Um, I want you to consecrate all the firstborn. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all of your increase, 
I'm not trying to tell you how God wants to take from you. I'm trying to tell you how when we honor God, here's what happens. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. He's saying if you'll give the first part to God, the rest of it's going to be extraordinarily blessed. I gave several testimonies uh, in this uh, in this message or in this teaching, if you want to go back and listen to them, but to where multi, there was a guy who gave away a billion dollars of wealth I, I told about last week. And he just kept, he said, but the secret is tithing. And everyone had to tithe in his company and he had to tithe. It was just something that he would see happen in his life. Malachi chapter three, in verse six, he says, I'm the Lord and I do not change. Uh, I know people say, well, that was for back then. Well, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He said, I'm the Lord and I don't change in Malachi. And then he said, so I want you to return to me. And they go, okay, how do you want us to return to you? Do we want us to lift our hands? He said, no, you're robbing me. Bring the tithe and the offering. That's how God said, return to the Lord. Okay, so somebody's excited right over there. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Um, return to me, how? With tithe and offering. Jesus validated tithing. Jesus was talking about the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23. He says, you're a bunch of hypocrites because you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and, but you've neglected the weightier, weightier matters of the law of justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done. Notice he didn't say you shouldn't do those things. No, he said you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, it's not just about coming and bringing money or bringing your spices, bringing your stuff and paying off God. Make sure that you have the spiritual, the insides the weightier matters of the heart in line too. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And then Hebrews chapter seven, there's actually two chapters that it goes all into this with tithe and Melchizedek and, and the, uh, the order of, of how we do these things and how he receives them. There he receives them. So tithing isn't just an Old Testament thing. It's not just a New Testament thing. It's not a law. It's a principle. It's a principle of love. It's a principle of life. It's a principle of honor. Tithing reminds ourselves who our source is and who the Lord is. Now, uh, there was a story that I heard someone give. Neil, come up here. And uh, Mark, could you come up here? And Al, could you come up here? Uh, just stand right here. There was a story that I heard someone give that said, it, what if I came and I, uh, I were leaving on a trip for a while, and I was leaving for several months, and I said, hey, you guys, I need you to steward something for me, and I just uh, want you to listen to what I'm saying. Okay, every month, I'm going to send you each $10,000. No, I'm not. This is just a story, okay? <laughs> Every month I'm going to send you each $10,000. The only thing I want you to do is at the beginning of the month, I want to make sure my wife and family is taken care of. So at the beginning of the month, I just want to make sure that you each take $1,000, the first $1,000 out of that, and uh, make sure that she's taken care of and blessed. Do you agree to that? We agree to that? We agree to that. Okay, so we do that. And then a few months later, I come back and I say, uh, you know, I call Tiffany and I go, hey, Tiffany, how are things going? Oh, things are going good. Are you taken care of? Yeah, yeah, taken care of. Hey, the, the three guys that I, I talked to and uh, I had them each send you something and, and how is that going? She goes, oh, well, well, the first one, you know, Mark, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, I had to start there, sorry. He's, he says, <laughs> the first one, Mark, on the first of every month since we started, he sent me a thousand bucks and it was right there. Now, how, man, on the, on the first of every month, he sent 2,000. I don't even know why. I know that wasn't the agreement, but he went ahead and, you know. And then Neil, um, first month he sent me 800 bucks and second month 300 bucks and, and, and then I haven't seen, yeah, then I haven't seen anything. He took financial peace and he's on a budget. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, what do you think I'd say? Those jokers, that's my money. What does he mean he didn't give? What does he mean he didn't give, right? What he's saying is, what I would do is I would say, Give me all your money, Neil, and I'm going to hand it to probably the one who could steward it better. I'm going to come hand it to this one and say, Hal says, come on, show me the money. I'm going to hand it to him, and I'm going to say, you took care of my bride. See, that's why when we bring it to the church, there is, this is the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ, and Jesus wants his bride taken care of. Or that you guys can sit down. Can we just give them? But listen, what he does is he says, it's not to get money all out of your pocket. It's something to just say, I just want the church taken care of. I just want the ministry taken care of. That's what he wants. I just thought that was a good illustration. And um, thank you, Neil, for being the brunt end of that one. Okay. <laughs> number one is God. It happens from God. Number two, and these are shorter. Number two is through you. Say through you. Matthew 6, verse 24, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. 
It, it didn't say you shouldn't. It says you can't. Either you're serving money or you're serving God. Either you're serving your financial plan or your financial planner and your investments and your account and what you've been building up for, or you're serving God, Jesus said, okay? You're serving one or the other. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. I find it interesting. Do not worry about your life. See, the only reason why we'd serve mammon is because we're worried about us. I want to make sure I'm taken care of. I want to make sure generations to come. I worked hard. If you don't work, you don't eat. I did work. I worked hard. I want to make sure that I, I was a good steward and that I'm blessed. Yeah, but are you serving that or are you serving what God tells you to do? We just need to make sure. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. If your life is worried about you, you will bottleneck blessing. If your life is always worried about you, you're going to bottleneck the blessing and you're going to be a blessing stop up and eventually the blessing will stop. The, the overflow of those things because you don't need to send blessing down that line, so to speak, because it's not a flow through. And God's not interested, I don't think, in just blessing you to the point to where you get all, you know, cocky about your blessing and not humble in, in being a blessing to others. So the blessing has to flow through you. Say through you. So you don't have to worry about you. Well, if I don't worry about me, who's going to worry about me? I got to take care of myself, Right? I don't take care of me who's going to take care of me and what's the answer come on duh God right God's the one hello we it's easy to talk about God so he's saying don't worry about your life you seek first the kingdom of God and I'll take care of your life I'll make sure your life's taken care of but if you want to worry about your life you just say I got it okay you got it go ahead you got it but he's saying if you seek first the kingdom of God, if you don't serve money but you serve God, he says, then all these things will be added to you. So you're either worrying about your own life or you're thinking about God. Well, who do you seek first? Where's your priority? Someone might say, well, I just obey my budget. I just, the budget tells me what to do. I just obey my financial plan. The plan just tells me what to do. Well, you had to tell the plan and you had to tell the budget what to do before it told you what to do, Right? So who tells it what to do before it tells you what to do? We have to make sure that God is the one who is in control of your plan because it's ultimately his plan and you're a blessing flow through. What if God says something different than your financial plan or planner? What if your planner says, well, this is what would be wise and something in your heart says, no, I think I'm supposed to do this. We just have to be willing to do whatever he said to do. Jesus said, don't worry about your life, what you eat, drink, put on, because your father's going to take care about this. The only reason we'd worry about our lives is because we think that we're the ones taking care of it. The only reason we'd be worried about it is because we see ourselves as the source. That's the only reason. If we saw God, someone who doesn't have anything and doesn't and know what to do, they're like, yeah, I trust the Lord. I don't have me. But the person who's got themselves taken care of is the person who it's hardest for. That's why Jesus said, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying? He's saying someone who depends on their, what they do and how they are, it's hard for them to be able to yield and depend upon the Lord because honestly, you'd never say it, but you really don't need him. You really don't need him. You kind of got this. Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter. Um, why? Did Jesus not want people to have anything? Did Jesus want you to sell and not have? He, he, uh, he told that man, one thing you lack. In fact, he gave that one man the opportunity to follow him as a disciple. Jesus said, people say, everyone Jesus asked to follow him, he followed him. No, that's not true. He asked this man to follow him, but this man had too much money. And so he said, one thing you lack, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll find a life. He said, and come and follow me. Jesus asked him to be a disciple, come and follow him. And you know what the man said? He went away sorrowful, right? Why? Did Jesus not want him to have anything? No, Jesus didn't want anything to have him. Jesus didn't say sell all that you have because he didn't want you to have things. He didn't want to have things to have you. So he had to separate you from things because you couldn't handle them, because you thought you were in charge. And eventually a person that thinks they're in charge, God will let them be. Deuteronomy 8.3, he says, I had to humble you 
And I had to cause you to hunger and I had to feed you differently than I did before so that I can make you to know that your life is not sustained by your bank account, your investments, by bread, by accounts, by job security. Your life is sustained by the words of God. Your life is sustained by what comes out of the lips of God. He said, I had to humble you till you knew that. And until you know that, you'll continue to be humbled. I don't like this message. I do not like this message. If you don't know this, you'll ever, if you don't get this or know this, you'll never be allowed. You'll never know the flow, what it's like for the blessing to flow through you. You'll always be the stop. It'll always end at you. You may be blessed. Blessed. How are you? I'm blessed. Blessed. But you'll never know what it's like to have the, the, the better part, which is it's better to give. It's better to be a flow through than to receive. I'm not talking about not, not flowing in that. I'm talking about letting it flow, not just to you, but from you. Remember Jesus told his disciples, follow me, follow me. And they, he didn't have a contract for them, a job agreement for them. He just said, follow me, I'll take care of you. And then Luke chapter 9, he empowered them with the spirit. And listen what he told them. He said to them, I want, we're going to go on a journey and I don't want you to take anything. Don't take staff, don't take food, don't take extra coats, don't take clothing, don't take all that stuff. He said, just go and you're going to be taken care of. Now, someone says, see, Jesus doesn't want you to have anything. No, that's not true. Because when they came back from the journey, Jesus sat them down. And he said, did you lack anything? When I said, don't take it, he said, we lack nothing, Lord. He said, okay, go back out on a trip, and this time, take stuff with you. See, it wasn't, it wasn't about you taking stuff or not taking stuff. It just need, He needed to send you on the journey to let you know you don't depend on the stuff you take. You don't, some people are waiting until they have enough in the bank to obey God. Some people are waiting until they have enough knowledge or enough degrees, or I got to take that one more online class, or I got to make sure to listen to that, or I got to have this, and then I'll obey God. But you've been saying it for years and years and years and years. Most of Jesus' miracles, he just stop and say, huh, do this, do this, do this. What do we have? We don't have anything, but that boy has lunch. Give me that. <laughs> Took that, blessed it, broke it, and fed 5,000 people, right? They didn't take it from him. You know what I mean? They, they brought it to Jesus. God will ask you to do things with no money. God will ask you to do things with no staff. God will ask you to do things with no following. God will ask you to do things with no provision because he wants to be the provision. He wants to be the source. This is the only way that we'll be able to operate and become the blessing for God. Well, does that mean that we'll have to sell everything if God tells you to? He told the one guy to, but he didn't tell everybody to. So whatever has you is probably what God's going to ask you to get rid of. Doesn't mean that we can't, it, it does mean that we cannot serve God and money at the same time. Serving God's putting God first so that you can be a flow through. It was a couple of weeks ago. I had a $100 bill in my pocket and uh, I was going to go deposit it into the bank. I had some, you know, and, uh, but I needed the money. I already allocated the money. I needed the money for something, and, uh, but I hadn't stopped by the bank yet, so I had that money. And, well, when you keep cash on you, sometimes God, like, knows you have the cash on you. <laughs> How many people say, I don't keep cash on me because God, God knows it's in there, you know? So I remember, I, you know, I had 100 bucks in my pocket, a $100 bill in my pocket, and I was standing there with someone, and the Lord's like, hey, give them that. And I thought, oh. I hadn't stopped by the bank yet. I already have plans for that. I give him that. So, you know, all right. I pull it out. Hey, hand the $100 bill. And then I thought, well, what am I going to do? I had, you know, such and such. You know, about three hours later, someone had come up and handed me 500 bucks and just said, 500 here. And said, uh, hey, the Lord just told me to give that to you. And I thought, hey, that's a good deal. Lord, you want me to do something with this 500? <laughs> this is working. <laughs> This is working. <laughs> it's five times as big as going to be five. <laughs> no, can I tell you, that doesn't always happen that quick like that. But can I tell you, the point was a test. God wasn't trying to get $100 out of my pocket. God was trying to see if I obey him. And when I obey him with that, I'll obey him with something else. God never tells me to do that. Well, maybe he used to. Maybe he wants to. So what do you do? Whatever you have, that's what is available to the Lord. And then 
I remember when I was trying to learn how to play piano. Uh, I, for years, I'd learned, I'd play guitar. And I was about 18 years old, and I said, man, I want to learn how to play piano, Lord. And I was trying, trying, trying. It's, it's hard to learn quick piano, you know. And I remember going to the Lord one time, and the Lord just put on my heart, dropped in my heart, go teach someone else piano. I thought, teach someone else? <laughs> Sounds going to sound bad because I don't know how to play very well. He said, just go teach someone else. So I just thought, well, okay, I could teach kids. I could teach brand new people. So I remember, I just said, well, I'll keep my ears open. And two or three people over the last couple of weeks or so just came and said, hey, do you ever, you ever do music lessons? Or I say, I can teach you how to play piano. <laughs> I don't know how to play very well. Teach you how to play piano. You know what I did? I sat down and I taught him everything I knew. Can I tell you, that was the quickest that I've ever learned how to play music. It was the fastest season of my life. Why? Because God's saying, I want you to start giving it away. Sometimes we want to wait till we get full on it before we can do anything. And God's saying, just start with what you have. I remember I accelerated at that. And then the third point is this, to others, to others. The blessing comes from God through you to others. And this is powerful. Hang on for this. It says, God, uh, in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. See, God has a heart for other people. God has a heart for you. And God thinks you're so special, just like everybody else. God loves every person on this earth. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus, before he had ever done a miracle, he stood up to tell his ministry, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Luke 4, 18. He says, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty him who is oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What he said was, my calling is this, that you be saved, that you be healed, that you be set free, delivered, that you be, have restoration, that you have release in your life and that you have the blessing of God in your life. That is the calling of Jesus. That's what you see, that he would come down and over and over and over and over and over preach it. Salvation, to preach the gospel of the poor. First Timothy 2.4 says he wants all men to be saved. Come to the knowledge of the truth. Healing, Matthew 8.16 says that when evening had come, they brought to him demon-possessed people and sick people. He cast out the spirits and he healed them all. Freedom to proclaim liberty to the captives. It says in John 8, 36, whom the Son sets free is, is free indeed. Jesus wants freedom. He didn't just come for salvation. I think that's the only message some people know. It's the best one. But he came for healing. Complete healing. He came for deliverance. Complete deliverance. Some people believe the lie they can never be free. And the lie itself will keep them in bondage restoration what's restoration well you see an old car get restored jesus is into the restoration business notice he says recovery of sight to the blind he wasn't born blind right recovery of sight get it back get back what he had before jeremiah 29 11 i know the thoughts that i think toward you says the lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future hope let me tell you i don't know where you are right now but god wants to do restoration in your life he wants to do rest. Sometimes to get rest, you want to be restored, but you don't want the car to sit in the garage. You want it to stay on the road. Sometimes you need to park the car in the garage and let him restore it for a while. And let me tell you, God wants to restore every person. Release. What's release? It means every person should be activated in ministry. Every person. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says we're one body, we have many members, we all have gifts differing according to the grace. You have a grace, you have a gift, you have certain batteries and a certain tool. Right? Your batteries are the grace, your tool is the gift. Your grace has to match up to your gift. Maybe your gift's not working because you're trying to put the wrong batteries in it. You have to find your grace, find your gift. And he says, I want to release people there's some people who don't believe they're worthy of ministry anymore because of all the crap they've gone through, the stuff they've faced, the decisions they've made. And they feel unworthy. You are unworthy without the blood of Jesus. We're all unworthy. In fact, if you don't think you are, you are because <laughs> of that thought. He wants to release you and then the blessing to proclaim acceptable year of the Lord. In one version it says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor has come. Many people don't even know what it's like to walk with the wind of God in their sails, with the Holy Spirit breathing forward and telling them what they do. They, they, put, they don't even put up the sails anymore because they're not sure what it's like. And he said, 2 Timothy 1.6, I remind you, stir up that gift. 
which was given you through the laying on of hands because God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say this with me. God has a heart for people. Gavin, come up. God has a heart for people. Thank you, brother. Bless the poor. Say this. Bless the poor. God wants to bless the poor. Who are the poor? It's people who can't do anything for you. Some people don't do anything for people who can't do anything for them because everything in their life is an investment. Proverbs 28, 27 says, if you give to the poor, I promise you, you won't lack. That's one way to not to have, to give to the poor. Proverbs 19, 17 says, if you have pity on the poor, you lend to the Lord and the Lord will pay you back. But what if they're going to go drink with it? What if they're going to go, what if they're going to go put it in their veins? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. But what if they're hungry? I'd rather take the risk. I don't have time to go give them lunch. I'm not going to give them money. Okay. But just don't turn them off. Just don't. I'll tell you what I do. I give them money. And I tell them, don't drink. Don't do drugs. All right. And I don't say that if I'm, you know, to everybody. I don't want to insult them or be belittling to them. But I'm just saying, I give to the poor. Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 5 says this, I will be merciful only if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and start treating each other with justice. Listen, verse 6 says, only if you stop exploiting. Now listen, listen to this. This is multiple times in the word. When the Bible says something multiple times in the word, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. He says, stop exploiting foreigners and orphans and widows. Immigrants. People who don't have the fair advantage. Well, they shouldn't be. They don't have a... I don't know about all this stuff. I'm not going to even get into it. Here's what I do know. The Lord says don't exploit them. Don't take advantage of them. And then he says take care of the widows. Take care of the orphans. James 1.27 says pure and genuine religion in the sight of God. And the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their time from distress. Another thing is, listen, bless your enemies. Say bless your enemies. I'll bless them. I'll bless them with a, yeah. Jesus said, you've heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If someone just came to mind, can I ask you a question? Do you pray for them? Yeah, I pray for them. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. I pray the word. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. Do you pray the blessing of God on their life? Why? Because the book of Romans says it's God's goodness that leads people to repentance. So we need to pray for our enemies. Bless our enemies. Bless those in authority. Bless those in authority. Romans chapter 13 says that, that authority, government, police, all those things are ministers. And it says, and render therefore to everyone who is due taxes to whom or taxes custom or taxes fear to whom is fear. Listen, and honor to whom is honor. Honor is owed to authorities. Not because they are worthy of it, but because of the position. All authorities from the Lord. In other words, God puts things in order and in authority. So honor them because of authority. Pray for them. Do you pray for your leaders? I, don't, I think if we're not praying for our leaders, then we're not in a position of ministry. We're not in a position of flow through. Spiritual leaders. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says, We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Ain't nobody over me. Jesus is over me. No, he said people are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly for the, uh, in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Bless missionaries. Bless missionaries. Who is that? It's people who've given up the comfort of this life to go share Jesus somewhere else. When you see them, bless them. How? I don't know. In any way you can, find out what they need and bless them. Why? Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful are their feet who bring the good news of the gospel. Bless them. Bless the next generation. I got two more. Bless the next generation. You know, this next generation is the generation that's going to take on all these things that are going on, and we need to bless them. In fact, on April 27th, on a Tuesday night, we're going to have a blessing ceremony. I mentioned it that I did it with, we did it with our kids where we got together, parents got together. But I want parents to bring your kids that are 13 years old. I'm going to have it all the way up to 21 years old. 
bring kids and we're going to have parents. And if you don't have parents, we'll be the parents. We'll step in and bless them. And we're going to proclaim blessing over every person as sort of a rite of passage to release them into manhood, release them into womanhood so that they don't have to grow up underneath in the world, victims of the world, but they can walk out with the blessing of God in their lives. Mark it in your calendars. April the 27th, we're going to have a rite of passage, sort of a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, but it's going to be a blessing ceremony, and I'm going to lead you through it. Bless your neighbors, last of all. Bless your neighbors. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's kind of funny because we say that, and most of us don't even know our neighbors. How are you going to love someone you don't even know? Invest time into getting to know them. Love your neighbors as yourself. Easter, I don't know why it is, but Easter is the one day of the year that people will come to church. Nine out of 10 people say they'll come to church if they're invited. And it's just our, the best way that we know to invite people. It's going to be a short, shorter message. I'm not going to teach on tithing next week, okay? I'm going to teach about the greatest blessing. I'm going to close the service and teach the, the greatest blessing of all, and that's Jesus. I'm going to teach about that, and it's going to be a nice short service next week. We're going to have a great week next week. But let's pray. Father, we pray for Easter next week, and we pray that, the, that Jesus would be known and opened up to the eyes of the, all the people that come, we pray, in Jesus' name. And if you don't know Jesus in this place, would you just open your heart to him today, and would you say this with me, Jesus? Come on, let's all say it. Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Would you take away all my sins? Would you be my Lord and my Savior? From this day forward, I call myself a Christian. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. And we all said amen today. And let me pray for you right where you are. Father God, I pray that we would open our hearts today to not just get knowledge of this message, but to catch it in our hearts. Lord, we acknowledge you. Would you take your hands and open them up to God and say, God, I acknowledge you as my source. All blessing comes from you. And right now I speak blessing over every person in this room, every person at home. I speak blessing over every person and I say, be blessed in Jesus' name because of Jesus in your life, the grace of God. Let it flow to you and through you and in you in Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.